0: ComC is your home for buying, selling, and flipping all the hottest trading cards. Their consignment marketplace is home to over 27 million cards across all sports, genres, and eras. With a ComC account, you can purchase cards from different sellers over time and ship them home together later, or immediately reprice them for sale on the ComC marketplace. To stay updated with ComC, please follow them on social media at checkoutmycards, one word, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. To learn about offers, promotions, and more at ComC, please visit blog.comc.com. You're listening to the Wax Pack Hero Sports Card Minute, a podcast where we discuss both the hobby and business sides of collecting. I'm your host, Mike Summer, and I want to help you buy, sell, and trade your way into a collection you'll love. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Wax Pack Hero Sports Card Minute. I wanted to start today talking a little bit about the show that we had yesterday. Our small, local, monthly show was yesterday, and one of the things that I loved most about that experience was the reassurance that the hobby is alive and well, and there is interest at all levels and at all different types of, of cards. For instance, I sold basketball cards, football cards, baseball cards, wrestling cards. I was even selling some 90s Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and Toy Story cards. And so there is even an interest in the non sports section I've got there at the shop yesterday, and it was fun to see people going back I was I sold vintage, I sold cards all the way back to 1967 and I was selling graded Luca cards as well. And so there was just this whole variety of people looking for a whole bunch of different things. And that's one of the things that I love about having the shop and having a big variety of, of things for people to pick from. And so super encouraging day for me at the shop. Just just helping people find those cool cards in those niches that they like to collect in. And so I just thought I'd tell that little story to, to open things up today. We're going to talk a little bit more about the the collecting industry and the collecting environment that we live in and the collecting community that we're all a part of in our main conversation today with Josh Johnson, the host of the Cardboard Chronicles podcast, one of the co-founders of Card Ladder, and and he is part of all of the content that they produce there. But Josh and I had a chance to sit down to talk a little bit about his collecting background, and the way that he views the, the collecting community, and I think you're gonna really enjoy that. And we'll start that conversation after I tell you about Underdog Collectibles, the online shop run by collectors for collectors that's now breaking seven days a week across Facebook, YouTube, and Loop. You can check them out at udogcollect.com to see what they're going to be breaking this week. You can also visit them at their brick-and-mortar shop in Knoxville, Tennessee, where they've got a full selection of singles, wax, supplies, pretty much everything that you might, want to, you might want if you were collecting cards. And You can even watch some of those breaks there live and in the shop. You can also visit them at udogcollect.com to learn about their group submission program with SGC. Check them out at udogcollect.com and tell them Wax Pack Hero sent you. Well, today I want to welcome Josh Johnson to the show. I've been following along with all the content that, that he's putting out there with, with Chris and Christina at Card Ladder, but this is the first time that we've actually got a chance to talk for the Wax Pack Hero Show. So Josh,
1: welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me, Mike. I'm excited.
0: And Whenever I have a guest on for the first time, I like to start with their origin story. And so maybe we can just start off with that when did you start collecting cards and kind of what got
1: you hooked on cards? Yeah. So, I mean, my story is probably similar to a lot of, a lot of people I started when I was a kid. Uh, So probably, you know, like seven, eight, nine around there. I don't remember the exact time, Uh, but I started collecting basketball at that time. Um, I think it was probably like 95, 96 around there. Um, And I was collecting Penny Hardaway. He was my favorite player at the time I had my whole room was decked out with Penny Hardaway posters and jerseys and stuff. So I was trying to pick up some of his cards. And then uh, in the late 90s, I got into Pokemon cards, which I think you know most kids did at that age. And then like everyone else took a really long break and then came back in 2016. Uh, and I've been collecting ever since 2016 and focused mostly on uh, Penny Hardaway still, uh, LeBron James, Chris Paul. I dabble in Pokemon still a little bit. And funny enough, in 2016, I actually got back through Pokemon cards because Pokemon Go came out and I was playing that game and then just kind of like, you know, was reliving the nostalgia of Pokemon and started collecting some of the cards again. But it was too easy uh, to get some of those cards. They're just pretty common. So that's what got me into sports. Some of like the more rare parallels and stuff.
0: What was it about cards that got you hooked? Both know when you were a kid and then you know when you got back into 2016 you know what was it about cards that that latched on
1: yeah that's a good question um i think it's kind of like the creativity of it uh you know both on like the organizational side sort of the drive to you know collect these items and try to find things that are rare and other people can't acquire i think these are these are kind of like human nature things to an extent but for me I really like the organization aspect of it. I like the challenge, the chase of it. The one thing I didn't account for when I first got into it was like the community side of it, which has become, you know, one of the main reasons I've I've stuck with it and enjoyed it so much is, you know, I was really drawn to the community aspect and finding like-minded people who found this as interesting as I do. And then I think, you know, the biggest is probably just the nostalgia of it, you know, looking at this stuff as a kid and remembering all the cards I couldn't get back then that I can now. And you know, kind of uh, reliving some of those, those childhood moments.
0: One of the things that I enjoy about having these conversations with folks is kind of hearing that story. And one of the things that always seems to come up is an element of evolution and growth. And, you know, we all change and evolve and grow in our lives. And many of us have changed and evolved and grown in our, our collecting journey. How have you changed or evolved in your collecting journey?
1: Yeah. um, I think the biggest evolution is just becoming more focused on specific things over time. You know, when you first start collecting, you kind of, it's a bit overwhelming of like, what should you go after, especially with, you know, social media and, and, you know, people swaying your opinion on what are like the cards you should buy. And over time, just kind of learning that it's really just about like the cards that you enjoy for yourself and honing in on that. So now, you know, six years later, I'm very niche in what I collect, very specific. I don't really try to stray too much from the center. So that's kind of like the main evolution, I would say. And then, you know, outside of that, just, I would say committing more of my finances to it than I did at the beginning. You know, I didn't want to start dumping, you know, thousands of dollars in too early. I was picking up, you know, fairly cheap cards, just kind of getting the hang of it. And then over time, start to figure out, you know, what is a good type of card to buy that, you know, you're not going to get destroyed on financially. So being more confident over time and, and how I'm able to spend the money. Was there anything in particular that you can think back on that kind of drove those changes either from gaining
0: focus or making sure you were being, you know, fiscally responsible along the way?
1: Yeah. I mean, in 2016, uh, you know, leading up to about 2019, a lot of us were, that were in the card space were making pretty decent money, you know, like the cards had, had gone up in value, Uh, you know, more and more people were getting interested in the hobby. So it kind of became almost easy to, you know, scale up in terms of uh, the success you could have financially in the hobby. Um, But I think lately it's been that I just really like it. And I just want to keep spending more and more time on it. And in order to do that, I just have to commit more and more money. It's it's really to me it's probably that simple. You know, I like I would like to have a more clever answer, but no, that's that's great. Now,
0: you're the one of the co-founders of Card Ladder, uh, which is a, a fantastic data tool in the hot. I was wondering how did you first meet the other
1: co-founders, Chris and Christina? Yeah, I met Chris through blowout I want to say in like 2018 2019 somewhere around there Um, and we had started chatting uh, outside of blowout just through like a shared interest on one of the blowout threads that we were talking about and then just sort of realized we had similar interests similar mindsets in the hobby we both collected 90s basketball he was doing Jordan I was doing Penny so we kind of had similar interests and we both kind of thought about the hobby more in terms of you know, at that time, it was it started to really shift towards more of a financial mindset, more of a like flipper mentality. You started seeing some of the YouTube personalities come in, and you know, a lot of the guys who had been in it before that kind of came together in those moments of like, hey, you know, we're still in it for just the pure collecting side of it. So we kind of bonded over that. I would say, um, yeah, that's how that's how we met in 2018. I, he probably knows the date. I don't remember. Going a little further on card
0: ladder. It has been used for and can be used for so many things. There's so many different features on it. It can provide historical pricing for collectors to make more informed purchase decisions. It can be used to get a snapshot of price trends using the the indexes of kind of where things have been in different segments. And it can even be used to kind of showcase your own collection using the showcase feature. One of the things I'd like to know from your, your perspective as one of the founders what is that ideal use case? So, you know, from your perspective, in a perfect world, how would a collector use
1: Card Ladder to make the most of it? Yeah, the ideal use case, I think, is someone who enjoys the hobby so much that they're just looking for some piece of software to like categorize and document and, you know, dive further into the, into the hobby, you know, because you've got content, you've got the cards themselves, you've got sort of like the mail day, you know, trading, buying, selling aspect. Uh, The software part of it, being able to manage your own collection, I think is a really key part of the fun for me, you know, putting in the price I paid, uploading my images, determining what I think the card is worth over time, uh, showcasing the cards, like you said, researching what the value could potentially be in the past or today as it changes over time, that sort of aspect of the hobby is uh, really fun for me and, and I would hope it's fun for a lot of other people in the hobby. Um, I think the easy, you know, answer is like, oh, it's used to figure out what a card's worth to comp it, you know, to make a good buy and, you know, do well financially. That's certainly a, an important aspect of the hobby and one that we take seriously with our, you know, our sales history feature, being able to search basically any sale in the past and figure out what it's worth today using some of our index algorithms and such. So that's a, a huge part of the use case. Uh, but, you know, if you're asking me, the co-founder, someone who loves the tool. It's more about like the fun and sort of like enhancing my experience in the hobby every day and being able to use software and and, and dive into it even more. So I'd like,
0: also like to ask a question that's based on a perception that I've picked up from listening to you on the crossover. And I'm going I'm to start right off with, with just saying it may or may not be an accurate perception, but that's part of why I wanna want to ask the question. And so... <laughs> The perception that, I, that I've that i picked up on is it seems sometimes like you get maybe very bored with questions that are purely focused on card values and whether the market is going up or down and that type of thing. Um, and I find that a little bit interesting, if that is accurate. I find that interesting for someone who's co-founded a price slash market analysis tool. And so is, is my perception off there or can you help maybe put a little color around the uh, that perception that I've got
1: yeah it's I mean it's like fifty percent an inside joke and fifty percent like it really does kind of bore me because it's like the most common question we get, and we're we do that show every week for like two over two years now for like two to three hours a night, so we get that question you know quite a bit, so over time like it just eventually like uh, okay um but part of it is like that's kind of part of our brand it's kind of like a funny little niche of it that we that we enjoy we do like talking about it uh like it's it's a it's a common topic obviously and one that we discuss throughout the show uh but when we get that one question uh we like to kind of poke fun at it one of the other things you you touched on
0: this a little bit earlier is the the love of unique or key cards of certain players is a one of the key reasons that you are in the hobby and you touched on maybe a couple other things, but I wanted to maybe go a little bit deeper. Is there anything outside of the cards themselves that you love about the hobby and that keeps you engaged?
1: Yeah, it's kind of like the mystery or like the aura of the hobby, you know, like learning that new cards exist or, you know, that certain parallels were created, you know, for the first time in this era of time, uh, you know, this year or whatever, this is the first release of this type of card. That's that kind of stuff really interests me, um, especially when i first started getting into like exquisite when I started looking at like LeBron exquisite type cards it was just so fascinating to me to kind of learn all the different aspects of exquisite when it started you know which ones were game use which weren't all the different inserts the you know the like the 2009 when they lost the license like how they sort of remade some of the old products and changed the design stuff like that is interesting to me just sort of like I would I guess I would boil that down to like the history of the hobby and learning you know, how we got to where we are today, where, you know, other, other markets, other avenues, like, I feel like a lot of that stuff is kind of uh, manufactured. Whereas in cards, it just feels very genuine. Like this was kind of built up over the last, you know, let's say a hundred years. And to get to this point, it's just like a real genuine buildup in the hobby. Like the 52 tops is a real thing that happened 70 years ago, you know, like we can't go back and recreate something like that. So stuff like that is really interesting to me. You had also touched earlier on
0: the, the element of relationships within the hobby. And I was wondering from your perspective, if you didn't have some of the the same relationships that you have today and some of those interactions that you have today, if it was, if collecting was purely a solo endeavor between, you know, you and the cards, would you enjoy it as much as as you do, or does that does that also play a, a kind
1: of a key role in the the amount of enjoyment that you get from collecting? Yeah, I mean, it's it's huge. I would probably go so far as to say that if it wasn't for that aspect of it, I probably wouldn't still be doing this. It's, it's definitely not to the level that I am, right? It would be a very small percentage. Uh, I mean all I would say like all of my best friends now are through the hobby, like all the people I've met. You know, they've become my friends, and uh, you know it's this is basically my life now. so it's really hard to it's really hard to answer that question what it would be like without the community because it's such a big part. it's it's a huge percentage. We all want this hobby to grow. You know we
0: all want more and more people to fall in love with cardboard and become lifelong collectors. Well, I should say many of us do, but I think you right. and I both do from what i what I've heard. So there are some people I think that don't <laughs> want the hobby to grow, but Um, many of us want the hobby to continue to grow and have more people falling in love with, with collecting cardboard. Do you have any thoughts on what we can do to help draw in new people and help them become
1: lifelong collectors? Yeah, this is, uh, this topic is the one that's most near and dear to me. And this is the one you'll get Chris and I to talk about the most in the crossovers, this very specific topic. And the reason I say that is because there's a lot of different ways to do this and, We are openly not in favor of the one that you see the most on social media, which is like celebrity culture, hyping, you know, trying to get people to get rich quick. Some of these like really shallow ways to get people in the hobby. Basically, I think the way to do it is like the opposite of all that stuff. And it's to try to educate people on the hobby and let them sort of gain the genuine interest in it on their own more you know, obviously like we can help them gain some of that interest, but like for the most part, you're going to have to like it on your own. And then if you build up that genuine interest in the hobby, you know, it's just going to keep you in it more long-term because if you come in through get rich quick or hypes and and one of those doesn't work out, you're just way more likely to bail because you have no like emotional attachment. You're just like, you lost money. That was why you came in. So if you lost money, you're just going to leave. So it's really more about like education of the stuff you've been talking about, the questions you've been asking, like, uh, what is it about it that interests you, you know, like, uh, the community side of it, the social media, like trying to get people to see that side of it and more of like how you can have fun with it. And the hopefully the card ladder tool, you know, going back to that help, helps people have more fun with it. You know, maybe that'll keep them in the hobby longer because they're, you know, uploading their collection and they're, they're enjoying it more day to day. Um, I guess that's it. You know, I'm kind of rambling at this point.
0: Is there anything you'd like to see manufacturers do differently that could help Mm. draw in more
1: people and keep them more actively engaged? Yeah. I'm admittedly not big into the like modern wax game. So I, I I probably won't give the best answer, but I think it's being more intentional about the, you know, the amount that you're creating, like the the number of parallels, for example, I think should be limited uh, you know, the, num- the amount of wax that's produced. And then also this one's probably an easy one that most people would say is that you need to have more products that are kept at a lower price point, like a more of a retail kind of thing. Uh, I know that that's been a huge issue with like the targets in Walmart. So when you put the retail out, people are just flipping it. So like figuring out that problem, I think it's going to be top of mind, especially for fanatics coming in with the licensing. Uh, that's gotta be, it's gotta be figured out because the only way to get more people into it is if there's an entry point, which makes sense for people. Like if I, if the cheapest box, when I first came into the hobby was a thousand dollars, I would never would have joined. Like, it just doesn't make any sense. I don't have a thousand dollars to throw at something that I have no knowledge about. Right. I'm just trying to learn it. I need cheaper things to kind of get my, get my feet wet, you know?
0: Yeah. I think that's huge. One of the things that that Chris and I talked about when he was on the show a couple months ago was was kind of related to this topic was also that idea of helping people find the niche or the focus or the aspect of of the of cards or the hobby that that they enjoy the most right some people like the super rare high kind of status symbol kind of you know achievement type cards but other people love building base sets or or putting together a collection of four thousand different cards of of whatever player it is, even if some of those are you know a quarter, right? And so, different people enjoy different aspects of this hobby. And one of those education pieces that you touched on, I think, for some people, is helping people understand there's a lot of different ways to approach this hobby. So explore a little bit and find the one that matters to you. It doesn't have to be flipping only. It doesn't have to be set building only. It doesn't have to be chasing and trying to level up to five and six figure cards if that's not what you're about then then that's okay so i think maybe that from my perspective that's one of those other things that that we can do and that maybe even manufacturers can assist with like you were saying is helping people identify that there's a lot of different ways to collect and let's let's try to help you find the way that
1: you enjoy it the most yeah i like that answer a lot i mean I'm sure you have your avenues that I'm in, that you're in. And, you know, I'm just so hyper focused on one piece of the hobby that it's, it's true. Like there's people that, that collect so many different ways than I, than I had even ever thought that you could do. And so exposing people to those different avenues, I think is important. I like that.
0: What are some things that you've got going on here later this summer where people are going to be able to, um, to see you guys, you guys are going to be at the national and do you, you have any other events or things like that, that are, that are planned.
1: Yeah. So we're going to be in New York at bleaker trading um, the Monday of the week of national. So like the, you know, two days before the national officially kicks off, we'll be in New York uh, doing hosting a trade night. The card ladder team will be there. And then bleaker is actually going to sponsor a bus ride, Uh, Tuesday morning from the store down to Atlantic City so that's something we're excited about at the national itself um, you know we'll be wandering we'll be at the booth sometimes uh, but mostly wandering and then we'll have like we'll be at the trade night uh, you know we'll be at Ryan's trade night card collector too we'll be at all the main events so you know if you if you see the team just say hey and then where can people
0: find you and follow along with you
1: yeah, I'm on Instagram mostly, so at Cardboard underscore Chronicles. Uh, that's the easiest way to get to me. Um, we also, you know, have support on Card Ladder if you need to get in touch with us, but just hit me up on Instagram. I'm I'm always on there.
0: And are is it, I know you've at least released, released uh, one new episode. Are you still kind of in the process <laughs> of kind of bringing back some of the uh, Cardboard Chronicles content as a standalone show as well?
1: I wish there were more hours in the day, Mike. that's i wish um i have one other one lined up um but yeah it's really hard for me to commit to like one a week again because i'm just so busy with card letter that it's tough but i i would like to keep sprinkling in some of these like high value ones um i'm going for more of a a quality over quantity at this point just given how little time i have
0: if people want to find those they can find cardboard chronicles on youtube is that where the the past shows
1: are Yeah, yeah. That I mean that I would just point people to that. There's an archive of some really great past interviews. Uh I think there's like 80 or so. Um, pretty, pretty decent amount of like interviews. So I would definitely check those out. Very cool.
0: Hey, I really appreciate you joining me today. And uh if you if you guys out there have any questions, feel free to hit up Josh. Feel free to hit up me and I can I can pass that along too. But Josh, I appreciate you coming on today.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me, Mike. This is great.
2: Like the athletes we admire, the sports card shop is changing the game. We're not launching threes, bombing drives, or hitting dingers, but we have built a unique gathering spot for all collectors to trade cards, talk sports, play games, and watch their favorite athletes on the big screens. Yes, we've partnered with Panini, Upper Deck, Leaf, Tops, Fanatics, Pokemon, and others to bring you all the latest in sealed wax and singles. But the sports card shop in New Buffalo, Michigan is much, much more. Our recent expansion brings collectible sneakers, Hot Wheels, and more sports and entertainment memorabilia into the mix. Our new Collector's Cave Game Room is the perfect place to throw a rip party. Bring friends, rip packs, trade cards, play billiards, ping pong, shuffleboard, classic arcade, and Xbox games, all while watching your favorite sport on TV. Visit us at thesportscardshop.com. Follow us on social at underscore sports card shop or better yet, visit us in person to learn about special events, party packages, new products and everything we're doing for you. The Sports Card Shop, connecting people, sports and the hobby around the world.
0: Well, thanks again to Josh for coming on. I really appreciate the time that he spent. And if you run into them at the National or the Trade Nights or any of the, the other events that are going to be going on here in the next couple of weeks, let them know that you enjoy the conversation on the show. Well, that is all I've got for you today. You can get a hold of me at WaxPackHero at gmail.com, on Twitter at TheMikeSummer, on TikTok and Instagram at WaxPackHero. I would love to hear any feedback that you've got for the show. I'll catch you next time.